You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Leah Amico, and I'm excited to, today to have a different kind of an athletic guest. It's something that a sport we have not covered yet. So today's guest has spent most of his life participating participating in boxing, both as an amateur and a professional. As a professional, he won the NABF flyweight and super flyweight titles in 2015, and he had an amazing record of 16 and two before for having to retire due to medical issues. So we'll talk about that a little bit today. He has a photo that he sent me and he's actually wearing three massive belts over his body and he's holding another belt. So I can't wait to hear more about that. And he works full-time now for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He's a youth pastor. He's also um, a collegiate chaplain for a local college. And he's a proud ambassador for the World Boxing Council. Excuse me. Uh, He's known as Little Oscar. So Oscar Cantu, welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Leah. I am so happy to be on here. Uh, I listen to your podcast. Uh, I'm a I'm a fan. So I'm like to be on here is just truly amazing. Oh, well, I'm really excited to have you on. You're a first boxer. We've had baseball players and basketball and softball players. And so it's fun to be able to hear a little bit about your sport. And ultimately, you know, what I want to share with everybody is how you became a champion, but then those principles that um, were behind you becoming a champion and then how you apply them to your life and how you've been able to just find joy and hope and pass that along to the younger generation and really to audiences of all ages. So let's go back. Well, first of all, no, let's talk. I want you to tell me about the belts. Tell me about those titles and the belts that you have in the picture that you sent me. Oh my goodness. Well, those belts, I would trade any of those belts for one of your gold medals. <laughs> any day. <laughs> I was telling my wife, I was like, I'm about to jump on the gold standard. I was like, we could, we could swap belts any day. I was like, that was my biggest goal was the Olympics, Olympic gold medal. But the belts, uh, I have seven different belts. I have the WBC, USNBC, which was my first professional title. I have uh, the WBC uh, Youth Intercontinental uh, Bantamweight title, my first world title as a uh, as a professional, and then the NABF Junior. It's just climbing the ranks to becoming a world champion. They got NABF at two different weight classes. That got me ranked top fifteen in the world, and then top uh, ranked number three in the world. And then uh, if if uh, people hear my story, they hear about how I was ranked number three in the world, ready to fight for the world championship, and then um, health wasn't going well, and uh, you know, my, thank God, my dad was my coach. So, and the gym was always coach, but if I really had to talk to him, I said, Hey, I need to talk to dad. And that's why I went to go, went to his office, went to go talk to dad and said, Hey, things aren't feeling well. And so I was uh, blessed uh, at my retirement to be given the honorary world championship. Uh, my biggest goal in life. Oh, that is just amazing. Yes. I want to talk about all of that. So let's go back. Let's talk about young Oscar. How did you get into boxing? And I love that your dad was your trainer and that you could talk to him. Tell me a little bit about growing up and how you got into it. Oh, so, uh, at six years old, uh, my dad, he was in the military. He was in the military for 23 years. He just wanted to have a place for kids to just to get off the streets, 
let out some little anger. You know, uh, my dad's from California. He's from L.A. area. So he fell in love with the sport of boxing over there at the, the old uh, prison, the LAAC, the uh, Los Angeles Youth Athletic, Athletic Club. So when he moved to Kingsville, uh, because of family issues, you know, we had, a, had an uncle who was murdered in L.A. So my grandma said, everyone come to Kingsville. Um, he just still loved boxing. There was a boxing gym there in Kingsville, but he wanted to do more for the kids. You know, the, the selfless act of get these kids off the streets. And so I was just, a, I have four sisters. I, get, I have my mom at the house. It's just me alone. I'm the only boy, the Lone Ranger. So I just wanted to hang out with my dad and I just fell in love with the sport. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that was the beginning of it. That was the beginning of, the, of a great future. Again, me being the only boy, my dad's my best friend. And so spending time um, with my dad was just a, another blessing. There's something powerful in that. And reading your story, that's something that stood out to me was just your dad, your coach, and your dad was your support. And your dad was there when you mentioned, you know, announced your retirement and how he was this stable factor. And how important do you think that is? I hear that all the time. You hear stats, you hear when dad's in the home and not only just dad being in the home, but when dad's involved, like the power of that, how important is that? Would you want to, you know, tell us about that for other people? You know, uh, you might get me tearing up here, but uh, I I love my dad. Uh, I think one of the blessings, one of the greatest honors and blessings I, I received was having my son, right? Uh, if he was a, a girl, I'd be happy to be, you know, daddy's princess, but that's dad's little man, right? That's my little champ. You know, uh, when when, uh, when I became a father, when I got married, when I says, hey, here's a quick little, you know, tidbit of some advice. When you become a father, he says, doesn't matter if your if your childhood was great or, or was it terrible. Just try to change something to make it better for your son. And I see my dad. I'm like, I just want to mimic everything you did for me. But the funny story as as dad and coach, because you have people saying dads can never be good coaches because they're too mean and everything. My my dad's again my best friend. But we went to a national tournament in San Antonio, and uh, I ended up losing day one. I was like, I couldn't believe it, losing day one. So. We had the long two and a half hour drive back home and it's just me and dad. Uh, I don't want to talk to coach. And so I'm just pity party. And uh, my dad's like, all right, uh, whenever you're ready to talk, let me know when you're ready to talk. I'm tearing up. Like this was supposed to be my national tournament. I'm supposed to win. And he's like, okay, he's like, I'm ready to talk. He says, all right, there's two people who want to talk to you. So there's going to uh, be dad and there's going to be coach. Who do you want first? I want my dad. I mean, you know, crying out, I want my dad. He said, son, you did great. You know, I, I love you. I'm, mom, mom and I were so proud of you. And I'm, I'm like putty in his hands. He said, hey, but a coach wants to talk to you. And we're driving, just me and him. And so I was like, okay, I'm ready. I don't care what your dad says. You should have done better. This is, I was like, oh my goodness. I go home. I run straight to my mom. Mom, dad is crazy. Get after him. You know, I don't want to be around this crazy guy. But it was just. Those funny stories, but my dad, me having a father figure uh, really helped me out because there were some, some moments where I did judge myself on my last performance and we do lose, right? There is, we did do get knocked down in life. And I just love how that's helped me out a lot. Even, even in my life now being a, a father and also being a youth pastor, trying to, some, some of those kids don't have dads or, or father figures that are the best out there. So uh, again, I love, that's a funny story about me and my dad. Okay. That is the best story ever. And literally like when you're saying that stuff about your dad in the beginning, I'm like, I'm tearing up. Like, 
my gosh, like the love of a father, right? And then like, oh yeah, there's like that side that every dad has inside of them and usually comes out first all the time. I laugh because my um, my two boys, but especially my youngest, he's in track. And as soon as, I mean, in between races, you know, my husband's like texting them what they could have done better. And they come up to the stands and he's like, all right, great job. But here, you know, and I'm thinking we maybe he needs to ask them first, like, hey, who, who do you need to hear from today? <laughs> do you need, do you want to hear from both or just dad? I think oh, some days God. they're going to be like, just dad, not yeah. coach today. Yeah. Coach is a little too crazy, but again, as a father figure, as, as a coach, they know what we could, what we could do. So they try to pull it out of us. And uh, yes, some days it was hard. I was like, I, I don't like any of you. I don't like coach. And I don't like dad, but I know it's, you know, we had to have that self-discipline that, that pulling everything out of us so we could, you know, uh, get better in our sport, get better in life. Yeah. And, and that is, that's, that's the message behind it is they want the best for you. My husband's the exact same. Like he wants the best. And, and I think deep down, like you want to be better. So you feel yes. that kind of tug and yeah. So you recognize it. That's how I like my dad as well. He was very, very hard on me. Um, but I think we also need, like you just said that I related to, you said, then you ran to your mom when you got home. Like that was me when my dad was like, Oh, like you could have done this. this, this. And I'm like, mom. Like, and so I think that having that balance is just perfect because we do need both. We really do. Yes. Okay. So tell me, you won all these championships and what are like the top couple keys that it takes to become a champion in boxing? Oh my goodness. Uh, I, you know, I love boxing. I love the new, new, uh, I guess, uh, platform I'm on where I'm able to speak to people because boxing relates to everything. But I guess the, the number one is uh, you're going to get knocked down, right? But you got to get back up. Do not quit. Uh, keep on striving. Uh, you know, uh, hard work does pay off. One of my favorite boxers was a, a gentleman named Rocky Juarez. I had the privilege of sparring against him. And this guy hit hard. But on every one of his autographs, he always put hard work pays off. I'm like, hey, man, that, that hard work does pay off, whether you apply it to sport, whether you apply it to school, whether you apply it to, to just life, hard work is going to pay off. Again, you get knocked down, get back up, keep on going. And every day, just get closer to your goal. My mom bought me these, uh, these small little picture frames at Dollar General. And one of them says, uh, if you could dream it, you could achieve it. And uh, another one was, uh, I forget what it was, but I remember seeing, if you could dream it, you could achieve it. There's many nights where I've dreamt my hands were raised just in victory. And I was like, I'm dreaming it. I'm going to achieve it. Right. Uh, and then, of course, we do need a, a good support system. Um, you know, I've, I've, I, boxing is a one on one sport, but there are those team sports where you do need to rely on. You know, there, there is no I in team, there is me in team. And sometimes being the best is you know, bringing out the best of other people of a team sport. And I did have a team with me whether it's my coach, my training partners, they did bring up the best to me. And I thank them for that. Oh yeah. I believe that even in the individual sports, when you see swimmers, right, they're in that lane by themselves racing against those other guys, but then they get there and they're talking to their coaches and beforehand they're talking to their coaches. And so the reality is it's, it's the team behind that individual athlete. So, okay. Did you ever get hit in the face? <laughs> did I ever get hit? I get, I got hit too much in the face. I think. Oh uh, my goodness. Okay. I was, I think I had like paper skin. I, I got so many scars. Uh, thank goodness. I married my wife 
before me becoming a professional boxer because then I got all the scars. I said, what? You're stuck with me. You married me. You said I do. I said I do. And that's forever. Okay, that's amazing. First of all, I cannot watch. I can't even watch boxing. I cover my eyes because I'm like, oh, they're just beating each other up. This can't be good. But I, okay, so let's go back to when you were saying like that hard work. Yes, I agree that. And like when you get hit, you know, it's about getting back up. So like, tell me what went through your mind? Like how quickly, I mean, I'm assuming everything has to be so quick on how to respond. What do you tell yourself when you're in that fight? Oh my goodness. Uh, I, you know, I tell our boxing gym is very faith-based. And so I tell people along with spiritual, uh, along with physical training, we need that spiritual training because you're going to give up. You're, 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 you know, we, we're, we are naturally lazy. We're, we naturally want to give up on things. We naturally don't want to do things, but that spirit, that spiritual training, you know, what we're fighting for an athlete, uh, fighting with a purpose, playing with a purpose, a purpose for God. And so I can vividly remember after one of my cuts, it was in the third round. I'm going back to my corner. Blood's coming down. I can't see out of it. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? And then I re- remind myself all the hard work I put into, you know, the, the, the little ones looking up to me, you know, the platform God is putting me on. And then I'm, then I'm just motivated myself and just keep on going out there. But when you do get hit, it is a, that millisecond of saying, why are you doing this? You know, uh, what's your ultimate goal? Don't give up. Keep on fighting. Keep on punching. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. Like this all is exactly what I believe. Like, I think this is the core of everything we do, our purpose behind it, the why, because when the why is strong enough, if your why isn't strong, you're doing the wrong thing. Or you maybe just for this season, it's like, okay, finish out whatever you're doing because it's maybe you're not going to continue necessarily. But when the why is so strong, you're going to go through no matter what hit you take, no matter what knocks you down and you're willing to get back up again and again and again, that as a softball player, you know, I was striking out, right. I was having a bad game, having a bad couple games, but thinking, no, I'm better than this. I love this. I having a baby and then saying, no, I'm still competing because my passion and I still believe I need to be on that team. And so I love you sharing that because that relates to everything. It's that belief. Okay. So tell me this as well. You said you had dreams, right? About that. And I really believe there's this, there's obviously belief in our faith and we, we believe in Jesus. You do, I do. And that's obviously our foundation of everything eternally. Right. But I think there's also this belief in us as an athlete, like you said, almost like I see myself being successful. I believe I can be successful. So you add this purpose, right? Like you just said, the why with this goal and this thing, you're like, oh, I see myself there. How important do you think having that true self-belief of like, I can be a champion? How important is that? And that's, I think that's everyone's a foundation as an athlete, as a successful athlete. You have to have some, some confidence in yourself. But it's not that you wake out of bed, you know, come out of bed, you're like, oh, I'm so confident. No, we just know all the hours we put into it. I tell people, I, I was in the gym 10 plus hours while I was first married, before when my, when my wife was my girlfriend. I was in the gym all the time and she knew that. And uh, I guess w- once we get older, you are going to marry, you are going to find a spouse. And I thank God I was blessed with a spouse who just encouraged me. No, I understand you're going to be in the gym. And sometimes, thank goodness it, it's, it's my gym, right? My dad's gym. I, could, I was sleeping in the ring. Cause I was just too tired just to go home. I would shower in the gym and, but it was, it's the, the reassurance that all those daily deposits that we put in that we could cash out big at the end of it, um, all the hard work, all the, you know, the self-discipline of get up in the morning, get up and go run, go do this workout. It, it is going to pay off. 
Yeah. I, oh my gosh. Everything relates. Everything you're saying is a boxer. 100%. And the time you putting the extra time, I tell people all the time, like just going to the regular practice is not enough. Like you have to do the extra because you know what, everybody else out there that's trying to get that spot, they are doing that work. So what are you doing? You can't just do that every day. You have to do the extra. Okay. Tell me this. Did you have people that doubted you that said you couldn't do it? You never would. What did you have that? Oh my goodness. Uh, it goes on onto my, my nickname, little Oscar. As a as a as a young kid, I was small, right? I'm named after my my two uncles who passed away, right? One of them was was uh, murdered in uh, California. The other one was murdered here in Texas. So my full name is Oscar Jesus. Gone through after my two uncles, Oscar and Jesus. So I was always little Oscar because of my uncle who I never met. But then in the gym, there was always, there was a big Oscar who was I think like five years older than me. Then his dad was named Oscar as well. That was Coach Oscar, and so little Oscar just stuck with me forever and. Even my son calls me little Oscar. I'm like, wait, hold on, I'm dad. But, you know, the name at that, I was a little kid. I was small. My first fight, I was eight years old, weighing 45 pounds. I was little. And people said, you're never going to do anything. I remember dressing up for elementary school on your career. I dressed up as a boxer. I want to become a champion. All the doubts, all all the naysayers, and you're too small. You're not going to do this. And, you know, as I got older, uh, I thank God I was blessed with the with the nickname Little Oscar because I, I serve a big God, right? Those are opposites. We we gotta we gotta be less so God can grow more in us. But again, the the knocking out the pushing out the noise is is a key thing because sometimes when we when we listen to those noise over and over again, it's we beat ourselves up for for no reason. And uh, again, that's where the team comes in. Uh, your 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 uh, your sparring partners, your your, your teammates, your coach where they just realign you and say, let's get back on that track and keep on going. We, we see, we see something in you, we see all the hard work you're doing and that's going to pay off. That's so good. I really love that. And, and I think your message, it's funny because sometimes I'll do these softball clinics and I'll see the littlest athletes. Sometimes they have the best fundamentals and I'm like, Oh, you stay right there. I think sometimes when you are, let's say smaller, not as strong, like you almost have to do it correctly, but in some ways it's a benefit because now you focus on these little things that maybe some stronger athletes, they don't need it in the beginning. And over time they're, you know, it it starts to show where their holes are and they didn't pay attention to details. So such a great story for those athletes who maybe, you know, start off and other, other people just don't see it in them. I, I was that athlete. I wasn't as strong. I wasn't as fast, but man, I was feisty. And I worked, like you just said, I worked and I believed I was like, I like, I just wanted to be successful. I wanted to be on the team. I wanted to, to show up in the big moment. And there's something powerful about that kind of being that, you know, stubborn, like I'm going to make this happen. But like you said, I I think really, I would love to say I outworked everybody else too. I I think that that was a big part of it. Um, Okay. So what, what was the biggest challenge you faced when you were competing as an athlete and let's say professionally? I mean, I know you just mentioned that. I don't know if that's it or something different. Uh, oh my goodness, I I would think, man, uh, uh, it it would be amateur and professional put together. But one of the biggest challenges is is life itself. Is you know, uh, I I am a, a boy, right? I, I was on the USA Elite team. It is finding a girlfriend, finding that that someone else finds you attractive. That was my biggest, my 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 hardest one because. You know, uh, I'm gonna embarrass myself, but my wife was my very first girlfriend freshman year of college. We met at FCA, and she was my first girlfriend, my my fiance, my forever wife. 
But before those those years, I was, you know, arguing with God, debating with God. Why am I even, why did you give me these skills to be to become top of the nation and no girls finding me attractive? Of course, I asked people, but they're like, no, I just see you as a friend. I'm like, well, okay, but I need someone there. And I remember praying to God saying, can you put someone in my life that is not going to be my girlfriend? That's going to be my wife. Because I was like, God, I really don't have that much time. I was like, I got these goals. I want to go to the Olympics. I was like, and I want someone to, to go grow closer to you with. Uh, but that is one of the, the biggest, uh, I guess, struggles in, in any sports, right? But but I've, I saw it growing up in boxing where they would find a girlfriend and the girlfriend would pull them away from boxing or they would just lose the love of the sport and go find it somewhere else. Um, and you know, those athletes were some great athletes. They could have been something amazing before I did something, but uh, I lived my life through their examples. I'd never had an older brother uh, to see. I had older sisters, but uh, the older brothers were the ones in boxing, but it was always who am I, who's my spouse, who's my wife going to be and how is she going to help me out? But that was, that was one of the, the toughest ones because you know, I thought I was the ugliest duckman out there. I was like, when am I going to, when's someone going to find me cute? I hate my freckles. I hate my teeth. I hate, I hated everything about me, but my wife finds all those things amazing about me. I could go on and on about my wife, but I thank God I was blessed with, with a, with a wife who was a God-fearing wife. That is so good, Oscar. I love that you shared that because we always think, what was it, what is in the sport, but what we don't realize is life bleeds into our sport. What we, what we struggle with outside of our sport. Absolutely. Sometimes obviously it's a refuge and it maybe gives us a few moments to get our mind off of it. But as soon as you're done with that, it's right there with you. And I, and it's funny because you saying that is probably the first time out of any of my interviews that I was like, yeah, like, I mean, it was kind of a joke on <laughs> team USA. My first Olympics, my coach was all, all right, are there any eligible guys out there for Leah? Cause I guess, I, I don't know if I can this boy crazy. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I'm like, wow, I was a mess, but, but I want same idea. I think that idea of like, wait, you're doing all these great things over here, but yeah, you want someone to share your life with and someone to do it with you. And, and, and then, like you said, you finding your wife and her supporting and knowing who you are and the passion God had given you. Like I was very fortunate and blessed as well with my husband. He's like, and, and I'm sure now, so then that bleeds into the next thing, right? You go into ministry and your wife, I'm sure is just right there to support Good. that. My husband does the same. Yes. Yes. She, I don't know if you saw the video that I posted. I was in Arkansas, uh, but my wife made the video. My wife is the, the greatest free labor I have. Uh, Cause she's always, I said, babe, I promise I'll take out to go eat. I'll go do this, but she just loves it. Uh, uh, my goodness, when, when I retired from boxing, you know, I went through a small little, who am I? And I thank God that she was there to, to help uh, redirect me. Oh, that's so good. So good. We need that. We need that support system. That is the team. That's the team again, behind the athlete, behind the, yeah. the person in front of the camera. All right. If that's not winning, if, if the, the home team's not winning, well, then you're not going to win with your coach. You're not going to win with your, with your, with your sport because your foundation is shaken up. Yeah, it's so true. Very true. I did have this question. So, I, and it's kind of going back a tiny bit, but um, when, what's the, what's the biggest crowd you boxed in front of? Oh my goodness. The largest crowd. I think that would have to be the, uh, the uh, 2008 Aiba youth world tournament in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, it was how many people? Oh my goodness. I, you couldn't really hear your, your coach talking to you because it was just roaring and you know, they had the little clicker things. It was so loud. And the worst part was I, I fought against Mexico. So 
everyone's even cheering louder. But for myself, for uh, my local hometown, it's a, it's a small town. I think I had maybe a couple of thousand at my first ever uh, professional uh, title fight. Now, one here in, in my town, my hometown of Kingsville, Texas, they had a, maybe a couple thousand, maybe 3,000 around there. Uh, wow. But it's, uh, it, it's amazing. Usually when I'm in the ring, I don't look at it. But now that I'm looking at photos, looking at uh, uh, I guess videos, I'm like, that's a huge crowd. Man, that's I'm, a, I'm starting to yeah. nervous from the inside. I'm like, man. After the fact, I know that's what I was thinking. I wanted to ask you, like, did it change your focus at all? Because I think champions find a way like to zone in on exactly what they're doing, no matter, no matter what's happening all around them. Did that, were you able to do that even that big setting? Yes. Uh, it's just that, that, that light switch we turn on, right? Once we, once the game's on, it's boom, we're focused. Uh, in the amateurs, I turn it on quick and I'll just focus on nothing but my opponent. And then in the pros, of course, you have a walk, right? You got to go in and it'll shake people's hands. I was so right before my walk came on, I would turn it on and just focus on that. So I wouldn't smile at anyone. I'll just focus on the ring. And then my dad's like, hey, uh, you got to start shaking hands, smiling at people. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just want to get in there and win, right? I'm, I'm so focused. But yeah, uh, that does uh, that does happen. But in the ring, that, that guy across from me is trying to punch me and trying to hurt me. So I, I got to be 100% focused on him. Okay, I need to know this too, because again, in softball, and it, it's so much more. <laughs> Um, I don't know what the word is like in, in boxing is such a bigger deal, but our thing was to be on offense. Like even if we're defense, like playing defense, like it's always a thing proactively instead of playing defensively. Like, is that, I mean, I'm assuming that's a massive deal in boxing is that's, I think that's, that's one of the, one of the, the key things my coach says, the best defense is offense. If you're punching your opponent, he's not going to be punching you right now. If you're standing there waiting you're a sitting duck, you're a sitting target, but the best defense is offense. So go out there, you know, uh, your energy has to be higher than him. Your punch output has to be more than him. If you're hitting him more, he's not going to be hitting you. Yes, for sure. All right. Tell me a little bit about how you had to retire earlier than expected earlier than you would have wanted to, and kind of how all that played out. Oh my goodness. So uh, I was ranked number three in the world, ready to to fight for the world title. Um, uh, I think God does things for for a purpose, right? We don't we don't see why, but uh, at that moment, that's when the COVID hit. So boxing got kind of pushed down. We were ready to fight ranked number one, ranked number two for the world title, but boxing got put on a hold. And I think everything else, the whole world got put on a hold. And so I was, I had the only my, my key to the gym. So I wanted to get out of the house. I, I mean, I love my wife, I love my son, but. I got to go to, like I said, my safe place, my, my sanctuary where there is no noise. There's no chaos. I'm just focusing on punching that bag. So I was going to the gym training and I just, something wasn't, wasn't right. I was, my head was hurting for, I think about nine days straight. Uh, I was nauseous and I go and talk to coach saying, coach, uh, something's not right. Uh, I need to take a break. And for me to ever say those words, I need to take a break from boxing. That's unheard of. Uh, I got in trouble as an amateur because of my grades and coach said hey you're or dad said you're grounded from the boxing gym you can't go and I was stuck at the house with my sisters hurting but at that moment I was able to to uh just really focus on my body and what what it's telling me and go to the doctors and and see what was happening and they said it was a, a brain aneurysm so when I found that out that was it uh no more boxing told my parents bawling to my dad uh, felt like I let coach down. I told him, he's like, you never let anyone down. So you, 
you did everything right. You did everything to the best of your ability. You're a champion. Once a champion, always a champion. But uh, sometimes that didn't really carry through with the retirement life. Because even though I boxed for Christ, I, I give all the honor and glory to God. My identity was kind of still in that boxing. And so no more boxing meant, to me, meant like no more little Oscar, no more me living anymore. Like, not that I was going to, you know, commit suicide, but it was like, who am I? Like, man, 23 years uh, of boxing, I'm 29, going to be 30. I was like, uh, who am I? Like trying to figure out who I was. And again, I thank God I had a, a wife who helped me out. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, what would you say now if people said, who are you, Oscar? What would you say to them? Oh, man. Uh, and I was, I was prepping for this question. I forgot everything I was thinking. I would say I am a son of a son of the most high, you know, I'm a child of God. I, uh, and God gave me the ability to be, to be a boxer and I box to the best of my abilities to give him all the honor and glory to say, thank you for allowing me just to box. And so who I am, I am a, a God fearing man who is a, a husband and a father and a role model who's just trying to lead any, everyone and anyone to Christ. Because when I was in that depression, when I was in that dark hole, it was only through Christ, through those scriptures that Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans for you, says the Lord, right? John 3, 16, for, I, for God so loved the world, for God so loved Oscar, all these things, right? Uh, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 9, I'll give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Think of those things that are, it was through those scriptures that pulled me out of that dark hole, right? Uh, and it's sometimes th those thoughts do come in, into my mind. And that's why the Bible says, guard your thoughts, guard every thoughts. And sometimes when, the, when those, when I see other boxers going out there and I'm like, man, I could have done this. I would have done that. All the uh, would have, should have, could have. I just push those out of the way and say, who am I now? And what has God doing in my life? I am alive, right? When people hear about, when they hear about boxers and brain aneurysm, aneurysms, they'd hear about a eulogy being spoke about because he's, he passed away. He's not living no more. I was like, I am alive. And what am I doing now? I am going out there sharing to the ends of the earth. How great is my God? Yeah, I love that. And I think it is, it's a perspective shift, but I think it's important with what you just said. None of us are immune to that. We all can have thoughts of doubt and thoughts of, you know, who am I and thoughts of depression and, and experience that, right? Every one of us can be susceptible to that. Nobody can is immune, but then it's how fast do I recognize it? And then what do I shift my thoughts to? Can I take them captive? Can I replace those thoughts with other truths and be in the moment and not be looking back at all the things that I lost, right? Cause you can sit there and you can dwell and there's nothing you can do to change it. And yet you can just go down a deep, dark hole. Right. So it's powerful that you said that. That's it's awesome. Like, okay. Uh, so tell me this a little bit. I talk about leadership with the gold standard. I think it's so crucial. You've mentioned your dad and as the coach and what are those qualities that you have seen or experienced to become, you know, top three in the world, um, in your sport, uh, what are those leadership qualities that you feel like make the best leaders? Oh my goodness. I think uh, it has to be the four C's. And if if my dad is going to be watching, he's going to get after me. I'm about to do some pushup after this because I'm going to butcher him right now. Uh, it's it's competence. It's chemistry. It's, uh... oh my goodness. But we you have to you have to have confidence in your coach. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be confident in yourself, knowing that all the hard work you've done. But again, it's, you know, uh, in a ship, the smallest part 
is what moves the whole ship around, the small little rudder. It's those small things, right? Uh, we can't overlook the big things. We got to look at the small things. And when your coach sees those small things, he could be that little rudder on, on steering you the right way. Sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes I'm like, I don't like my dad and I don't like coach. I was like, but I'm going to mom. But it's, it's those things they can pull out of us. And it's that leadership saying that, you know, I thank God that my, my dad and, and my coach and my gym is, is based on uh, our faith in Christ. Because I think that was one one of the main things that that helped us helped both of us to achieve what we achieved. Because sometimes when I would lose day one in a national tournament that I was supposed to sweep everyone with, you know, my coach said, "Hey, you know, we we've prayed for this. We prayed for you know maybe maybe it's a blessing for someone else to become a champion right now or get that win." And you know, our faith is in God. Let's let's keep on let's keep on track and let's keep on throwing the punches. Keep on training. That if God didn't bless you with this, there's something bigger and better in store for you. Wow. That's really good. That perspective. It, that's, that's what it does, right? Instead, it's not the end of the world. It's instead, it's okay. What do we learn for, from it and move on? And I think that's important for everybody. All right. Really good. Okay. So now I, you know, you give back. That's a big thing. I, I read, you know, different things. And I know that you're so involved in your community, um, not only serving in the positions like we talked about, but just giving back to your community. You had um, was it little Oscar day? I, I believe where you allow the entire community to come out and kids just to be blessed and have a great time. So what does that mean to you? Like, why is it so important to give back and to kind of share with this next generation? It goes back to that saying, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, this village of Kingsville, Texas really helped me out. I remember running when it was drizzling at during the day and just running because I, I got to get my road again. I don't care if it's drizzling, snowing. Look, there's no snow in South Texas, but I was still out there running. And I remember just kind of hating the day. I was like, man, why do I got to run? And just relentlessly, relentlessly just running. Like, I, I don't like it. But someone pulled up right next to me and they started playing the Rocky music. You know, dun, 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 dun. and I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, and that helped me get out of that hole. And then I remember running early in the morning and there would be some police officers on patrol and they would come next to me and I'd run some sprints down the street and they would kind of block it off. Just watch me, cheer me on, you know, of course, teachers. And so that's what I'm supposed to be doing now as that's what I feel as I'm supposed to be doing now is be the hands and feet of Jesus in my village, producing the next champions, whether it's in it's in school, whether it's in well, sport, but being part of that village now. And it's it's an amazing role being part of a village. I wouldn't think so because I was always at the end of that. Right. Uh, takes a village, raise a champion. I'm that champion. But now being part of the village, be the hands and feet of Jesus. I've always said, if, if I'm blessed to do something, why not bless someone else when they're going through a, a tough day like I was when I was running or running those sprints or all the all the, the craziness of who am I? No one loves me as, as a, a little middle school student or a high school student. And those key people helping me out and gearing me the right way. Mm, so powerful. You're basically taking the best of what was given to you. And then you're like, I got to pass this on. I, oh, I want to see them succeed. It's so good. And you're right. Like I think back to junior high and I can think of a certain teacher who just really spoke life into me in high school coaches, teachers, and it really does make a massive difference. I think they probably didn't see it at the time, right? They're just sharing, right. but the power of our words and encouragement. And so that's just so great that you have those memories. Like you said, it's like those hard days and that you saw wasn't always just your coach or your parents. It was other people as well. And so I, I can just imagine the amount of people that are going to say how you have impacted them and they're going to go on and do great things. And you're going to be part of their story, just like you're sharing yes. what other people did for you right now. It's so great. Uh, okay. 
You talked about that discipline. What have you seen in your life that you had all this discipline as an athlete and how that maybe relates to this new season in your life? I know it's not been that long. Like you said, it was since COVID, which you went through everything, but how has that kind of transferred into life post-boxing? Yeah. So the discipline in boxing took so many hours. I could tell people I've trained 10 plus hours in, in the gym, right? Uh, if I want to become a champion, I had to put the hard work in. So now me taking this new role, being the village and me taking the new role, beco- becoming a, a youth pastor, uh, working for FCA. Now it's, it's one of the things I really did not like to do. And that is reading uh, that the, the daily deposits of, you know, read something, right? Uh, read the Bible, read, read all these leadership books, these motivational books. Uh, but it's, it's what my ultimate goal is. What do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish and seeing the steps, how to do that. Uh, when I was going through my depression, I'm like, well, you know, I have this story inside of me I, I have, of how God worked in my life and how can I share this? And then getting a call from an organization called USA, yo, I'm like, okay, well, who's this? And before that, knowing who John Copter was, we both spoke together and Felicia Como, I was like, wait, okay, I'm liking this. Thank you, Lord. And so now it is, you know, um, waking up in the morning, of course, practicing that self-discipline. If, if, if there's no self-discipline, there's no discipline in if you can't control one aspect of your life, uh, to me, I feel like it's going to be hard to control something else. Uh, uh, so my biggest thing was after 9.30, no more eating and boxing. Because if you eat after 9.30 p.m., that food should stay in your gut. You got to lose weight. You got to put the sauna suit on. I did not like doing that. I'd rather just handle it now and, and you know have a little suffering, but pay off in the long run. And so having this discipline of, of you know waking up, um, growing closer to God, right? It is not punching a bag. It's, it's uh, digging into my Bible, digging into the word of God, spending some quiet time with God. When I was an athlete, I, I, I shared the, the 15 minute workout. I did a lot. And that was a five minute mu- a song, a five minute reading the Bible or prayer. And then the last five minutes of meditation and just listening to God. And so now it's not 15 minutes anymore. This thing goes on for like an hour and a half. It just, oh my goodness, Lord, thank you. But it is the daily deposits I'm trying to help me of who I'm trying to be now. Yeah, we talked a lot about those daily deposits. And what people don't realize is you might think, well, it's no big deal just to do it today or tomorrow. But over time, oh my goodness, it it adds up so much. It's like if you put money in your bank and you never touch it and just a little yeah. bit every single day, right? We all like that. <laughs> we all yeah. understand that aspect. But when we do these things that are very good for us, that could be, you know, obviously you're mentioning and faith-wise, that is, that's time with God, right? That's your alone time, you learning, you growing. It could be health-wise, right? Time at the gym. It could be what we eat. It could be time with friends, time with family, like all these different things that are the things that really matter. But sadly, they're also sometimes the things that get pushed to the side the quickest, right? Those di- It takes discipline almost to do the more important thing, the better thing that will really reap the best results. And so it's a good reminder in that whole discipline factor and having the drive really to do that. So as we're getting ready to wrap up, just tell me a little bit about what in your mind, when you hear the gold standard, like for your life, what, what does, does that mean to you? Oh, for me, the gold standard of my life would be, uh, you know, that, that, uh, relentless going out there every single day, giving a hundred percent, uh, you know, hard work pays off, right. Uh, be that athlete that, 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 uh, works for for a, a purpose that has a purpose be that boxer that's that's boxing for for a purpose and that and and box for have that have that higher purpose of 
uh, you know, doing it for God as a thank you, right? Uh, my now my new identity is uh, I'm, I'm a child of God and thank you to him that I'm able to do these things. So going out there and if you don't have faith in God, well, then just go out there and just, just grow closer. And there's going to be people out there saying, hey, you're blessed with an ability. You're blessed with the talent, whether it's a it's education or, or sports. But the gold standard to me is going out there and win the day. Win the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not lose a day. Once you win the day, you can go out there and keep on going out there. Your toughest opponent is not this big 4A, 5A school, not this big number one guy in the nation, not this world champion. Your toughest opponent is yourself. So look at yourself in the mirror every single day. Say, do it. I'm going to beat you, but I'm going to win the day and I'm going to love you. So just win the day. Yes. I love that. That's it. That's and And I so relate to that as an athlete. And I feel like almost every athlete that's come on and shared their story of reaching the pinnacle in their sport has talked about those same values. And it's, it's not what we do, right? We want to go out and we want to be this champion or whatever. And that's never a guarantee. Like you said, sometimes you lost in the first round, but it's how you do everything. And that is in our control, how hard I'm going to work, what attitude I'm going to bring that day. You know, if I'm going to give my very best and really only we know, right. We can fool people. Sometimes usually coaches can see, (laughs) especially when they start to know us. Um, but I, I love that Oscar. That is such a great message. How can people find you? Oh my, you can find me uh, on a uh, social media, Facebook. It, it is Oscar, little Oscar Cantu. The little is L-I-L. So Lil Oscar. Uh, on, and that's uh, tied into my Instagram and my, my Twitter feed. Uh, but, you know, I felt God be calling on my heart. So I think there is going to be a, a future podcast coming out, uh, just showing, uh, sharing some small little tidbits of, of uh, following Christ and, and of being an athlete in boxing and in life. Ah, I love that. And and I think if God's putting that on your heart, you definitely need to answer that. And just everything you've shared today, I know this message needs to get out more and more. I know you go and you speak around the country and you speak locally in your town, but a podcast is also a great way to go where you can't go physically. And so I just want to encourage you definitely do that podcast if that's on your heart, because really you do have a lot of information that needs to be shared with people. It's a reminder. And, and everybody listening to this, I just want to remind you all, um, you know, you too can go out and, and for Oscar, it was boxing for me, it was softball, but what do you love? What are you passionate about? And don't let anything take those dreams from you because then your passion is strong enough to push you into it. It's going to get you through whatever you face as well. And so just build that belief and live out the gold standard. And again, Oscar, thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you shared today. Thank you very much for having me on here. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to the Gold Center podcast and we'll see you here next time. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.